My name is Will DeFreeze, and this is a Sunday Scaries podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. Martha Stewart has two Instagram accounts. One is simply at Martha Stewart, which features everything you'd think it would feature. Brand posts, recipes, tableware, and everything else Martha has made her fortune on. But much like cool teens, she also has a not-so-secret Finsta account, or I guess you could probably just call it a personal account, at MarthaStewart48. There, you'll find what I'd consider to be some of the most unhinged Instagram posts we've seen over the last year or so. When it comes to following people on Instagram, I have a few rules of thumb. You have to be a close friend, you have to consistently relax me, you have to consistently make me laugh, or you have to be a brand that I absolutely love to support. And when it comes to Martha Stewart 48, well, she fits three out of the four criterias, obviously not a close friend. Over the last couple months, I've jokingly reposted Martha's best post on the Sunday Scaries Instagram feed. But just this past Monday, Martha decided to flex harder than she's ever flexed on everyone's timelines by imploring everyone to consider buying a $185,000 Mercedes. Poshness and privilege aside, you can't help but laugh at this recommendation in favor of criticizing it. This isn't a 23-year-old ex-bachelor franchisee who is out of touch with reality. This is a 79-year-old woman who's absolutely soaking up her glory years. And if anyone else posted something like this, I'm sure we'd all cringe a bit before scrolling deeper into our feeds. Instead, she somehow gets the, oh, classic Martha treatment from me and friends alike. When you take a step back and look at the entire body of Martha's work, her career, not her Instagram, you could likely make a case that she's the patron saint of Sunday Scaries. She's got a career built on recipes, do-it-yourself crafts, party hosting tips, the list really goes on and on. Her entire life has been built on the luxury of free time, and now she has the free time to enjoy her luxuries. It's truly a beautiful thing. On June 15th, she posted what most people our age would consider to be an old person post, a salt-rimmed rhubarb margarita. Crooked, unfiltered, and perfectly reckless, it's a photo that most of us would hesitate to even put on our stories. But Martha, nope, she's drinking her damn rhubarb margarita and she's enjoying the hell out of it. On June 21st of this year, she posted a photo of one of the lushest backyard water slides I've ever seen. Perfectly tucked into a garden, bursting with lush plant life and two weathered rocking chairs, it's the chill sitch of all backyard chill sitches. Was she quick to point out that this wasn't her water slide? Well, yes, but we all know she could probably afford one if she did want one. And just this past weekend, she posted yet another concoction, a glass of frosé, with the caption, so good, so refreshing. On this 100 degree day, their recipe is secret, but I think it's rosé, a bit of peach nectar, and a slushy machi machine, so good slurped through a straw. The rims of these glasses were perfectly blurred because everyone knows how difficult it can be to capture a glass in portrait mode, but at the end of the day, Martha was getting loose on some frozen rosé and she wanted the whole world to know, and I think that's something we can all get behind. Even on July 1st, while Martha was down bad after surgery on her leg, she posted another photo of herself lying down on something that none of us can really afford. With her hand on her brow in a velour sweatsuit, she looked, well, just a little bit hungover. As it turns out, she was just recovering from a full-size heating, or recovering on a full-size heating mat provided to her by her yoga guru, something I don't think a lot of people out there have. Classic Martha again. These days, there are so many phrases relating to Instagram that I simply can't stand. What started with Throwback Thursday and Flashback Friday has now morphed into doing it for the gram and photo dumps that cool teens are all too privy to. I'm sure we've all had a moment before posting a story where we thought to ourselves, wait, is that a little too much to be flexing right now? 
But if we can learn any from th anything from the beauty that is Martha Stewart's personal Instagram account, it's that sometimes you have to pat yourself on the back for earning the things you deserve. The new sectional she's installed in her pool house that she finally has a comfortable place to sit in, her new terrace in Maine with freshly planted foliage all around, even her hand-embroidered cashmere sweaters with sayings, li sayings like, let's get lit and sharpen your knives stitched on the sleeves. Sure, we all get sick of our friend on the timeline who always seems to not work for a living despite spending more money than God every weekend. One moment they're brunching at the most expensive restaurant in town, the next they're on a coastal Italian vacation drinking all the Prosecco the world has to offer. But in a world full of people who has all the things that we want, there's something refreshing about seeing the world's 78-year-old grandmother unknowingly flexing on everyone like she's earned the right to do. And as we enter the final month of summer, I think it's time we prop Martha up to where she needs to be. Hot girl and white boy summers be damned, this August, it's time to embrace hot Martha summer. Because if we can't live vicariously through America's hostess, who can we live vicariously through? When it comes to hard seltzers or pretty much anything else in life, the option with something extra always makes your choice a little bit easier. And as the first hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C, Vizzy brings something unique and delicious to the table. When you're walking down the aisles and there's a million hard seltzer options, it's a very clear reason as to why you should be choosing Vizzy. Go grab yourself a drink that can do both with Vizzy Hard Seltzer. Vizzy is the first hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C extracted from acerola cherry, a superfruit with 30 times more vitamin C per cup than an orange. There are plenty of hard seltzers to choose from, but with eight bold and delicious dual fruit flavors and antioxidant vitamin C, Vizzy makes the choice a little easier and a lot tastier. Anything from pineapple mango to black cherry lime, even watermelon, strawberry, blackberry, lemon, and raspberry tangerine. In this past April, Vizzy launched their own lemonade hard seltzer in four delicious flavors, watermelon, peach, raspberry, and strawberry, all with that same antioxidant vitamin C. My favorite is obviously, it's, it's kind of been skewing towards the lemonade flavors lately, but I've always been a big fan of the blueberry pomegranate, the uh, strawberry kiwi, and yes, the pineapple mango. It never hurts to add some vitamins and antioxidants to the mix, and with Vizzy, you can enjoy refreshment now with antioxidant vitamin C, and at 5% ABV, 100 calories, and less than one gram of real cane sugar per can. Every sip of Vizzy is more exhilarating. Upgrade your hard seltzer to Vizzy. To find out where you can purchase Vizzy, go to VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. That's VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. You must be 21 or older. You guys smell that? It's the fresh cut lawn in anticipation for the big party. It's the flowers as you walk into the venue. It's the champagne getting poured into the flutes for cocktail hour. And after a year of waiting, that's right, wedding season is finally back. Of course, we're all a bit out of season ourselves. Some of us may not fit into our tuxes, others no longer have a tolerance for alcohol, and of course, some of us, some of us just may be so excited that we unintentionally take things too far. And that, my friends, is why I have the 10 commandments of wedding season right here for you. Our first one, thou shalt RSVP in a timely manner. I definitely used to be this guy. I would get my invitation, think, oh, they definitely know I'm coming. They're not going to worry about it. And this was mainly an issue in my early to mid-20s. If you're getting one in the mail right now, you have to RSVP immediately when you receive the invite. Because if they come looking for you and you haven't done it yet, you know that you've messed up. They've got much bigger things to worry about than getting your little RSVP in front of them. Uh, our number two, thou shalt overdress. When in doubt, dress it up. 
You don't go to full tuxedo if it's not explicitly black tie, but if you have any questions around your wardrobe, especially as a guy who I'm mainly speaking to right now, you just have to go dress up a little bit more. Toss on that tie, put in a pocket square. You can always take the tie off and you can always take your pocket square out of your pocket. Just make sure to not leave your jacket at the venue if you really go crazy. Number three, timeliness is next to godliness. Missing the ceremony is better than being late to the ceremony. If they're close to you, obviously do everything in your power to make sure that you're there on time. But if you're a fringe invite, missing the ceremony isn't the worst thing to happen. If you're traveling from out of town, late from work, or just running behind, you can always skip it. No one's really going to notice and you can't be the idiot walking into the church late because everyone's just going to look at you when they should be looking at the bride and grill. Number four, thou shall never take out thy phone during the ceremony. A lot of people require no phones now, which is, I think, a beautiful thing. I'm not sure what I did at my wedding, but I'm pretty sure we had a sign that said like, hey, maybe just leave your phone in your pocket. They hired a professional photographer for a reason, and your pictures are never going to look good. They're going to be crooked from the side. You're going to be zooming in on everything. It just doesn't work. So just wait until you get to the reception when all bets are off, and that's when you can finally take some pictures and videos that you can post to your story. No one's really going to care if you don't post anything from the actual ceremony itself. Number five, thou shall never bring a gift to the actual wedding. Just like you don't want to lug anything to the wedding, no one wants to lug it home from the wedding. Bringing, the thing to, bringing a gift to the wedding is really just an old person move in the first place, whether it's a good thing to do or not. Just simplify the process, whether it's a blender or a check, and I promise you, your life will be easier. There's a definite reason as to why they have online registries these days and why everyone uses that. Number, stick, number six, thou shall stick with one type of drink. Liquor before beer, you're in the clear. Not at weddings when things are flowing. Beer, wine, champagne, hard liquor, I don't really think you have any other options besides that, so make sure to stay in your lane. I was once at a wedding and I decided to go with champagne for the entire night. I think I, at the end of the night I had about eight flutes of champagne all filled to the brim, and I have to say I had a headache the next day, but if I would have you know, switched to something else at the end of the night, uh, I probably would have felt dead the next day. Uh, I did have a little headache, but if, had I mixed in a scotch and soda, I think I would have pretty much just died that night, and I'm glad that I didn't. Number seven, order thy simplest drinks only. There was one time when I was at a wedding and I decided to order a martini, and obviously this requires either getting shaken or stirred, and the bartender decided to shake it. And right as the bartender decided to shake my martini, unfortunately the, the father of the bride decided that it was his time to go up and say a brief prayer. Well, as everyone bowed their heads, all you could hear throughout the place was the father praying and my martini getting shaken. Unless there's a bar that's specifically for a signature cocktail like a martini, you have to skew simple. No one wants to wait on you because you got an involved cocktail. And the bartenders, they honestly might not even be bartenders. They could just be people that got a catering gig and got thrown in the bartending position. When in doubt, order just something in soda. You'll never regret it. Number eight, thou shall not order shots. Shots are for the after party at the bar, not for the actual wedding. Most wedding bartenders won't serve you shots in the first place, and that's for good reason. If you want to do shots that badly, here's what you do. You go to the bar, you order a round of tequila on the rocks, and then you just chug them. It's an easy fix to an easy problem, but just don't do shots. No one, no one wants to see you tipping them back with everybody. Number nine, respect thy DJ or band. No one cares what songs you want to hear. The bride and groom likely have already curated a playlist that they know is going to hit very well for everybody at the wedding. The DJ will definitely get sick of you requesting Mo Bamba and the band will e get even sicker of you requesting Sweet Caroline. I promise, at the end of the night, all the good songs will get played and if they don't, no one's gonna remember either way. And number 10, 
thou shall remember going home. There are parents that there are people's parents at these things. There are parents of your friends at these things. They're going to see you acting your worst. This is a mountain to climb, but it's a mountain worth climbing. If you're the drunkest person there and you make a scene, the bride will justifiably hate you for years to come. And as someone who doesn't remember going home from a recent wedding, trust me, your anxiety at the end of the night will thank you. We all have that one essential that's an absolute must this time of year. For me, it's good wine. Summer is about having fun, so I like to keep the good times going with equally good wine. I'm a big fan of a crisp white red, or white wine or a light red wine during the summer months. Sometimes I even like mixing a spritzer in, maybe having a nice chilled glass. Whether it's a laid-back night at home or a day on the water, it's always nice to have a little vino in your life. And since I get incredible wine shipped to me right to my door from First Leaf, I have my summer staple ready for every occasion. First Leaf is a wine club that curates and ships boxes of wine that are perfect for you. You can try wine from renowned winemakers all over the world, and First Leaf gets better with each box. Every time you rate a wine you receive, First Leaf learns more about your palate, so the more wines that you rate, the more personalized your selection. It is actually very fun to go onto First Leaf and start tinkering with your options. You can even take wine out of your next shipment and put in other bottles that are kind of on the same level as those, and it, it honestly just becomes a fun little game to play. And in fact, First Leaf can send wine selections tailored to your liking with a 98% accuracy. It's shocking how good they are at predicting what you'll love. First Leaf also saves you time and money. Award-winning wines are delivered to your door at 60% off retail, so you can skip the last-minute wine stop and spend more time with the people that matter. Signing up for First Leaf is so easy, and curating your own selections is even easier. It's fun to unbox, it's fun to taste, and it's fun to just have a flexible wine subscription. You can even choose which wine to receive and how often they're delivered. You can adjust or pause your subscription at any time, too. So whether you're by the water, grilling with friends, or taking it easy at home, First Leaf is the perfect summer staple. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com scaries. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com scaries. It was a trademark morning in northern Michigan. About 60 degrees when we teed off, we had hit the sweet spot. Shorts weather, but only if you have a sweater on as well to stay a little bit warmer. We'd peel those sweaters off around the fourth or fifth hole, but with what the weather was pretty perfect nonetheless. I was riding alongside someone I hadn't spent a lot of time with over the last couple years. Admittedly, neither of us were out there trying to score anywhere near the 70s. In fact, had you told either of us that we could end the day with a 90 on the scorecard, I think we both would have taken it. Somewhere midway through the round, we found ourselves on a hole with more danger than the previous had featured. Fairway bunkers, thick grass along the left side, a cliff on the right side, anything other than a drive down the center of the fairway, and we were kind of in trouble. But after we avoided most of the danger in front of us, my friend told me, you just can't let perfection be the enemy of good. And while I think he was alluding to the fact that I shouldn't be swinging out of my shoes on every single drive, that small quote stuck with me for the remainder of the day. Don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And while this wasn't the first time these words were uttered, it was the first time that I actually put stock into them. When I first started Sunday Scaries as a weekly blog about seven years ago, I find myself being very shy when it came to sharing with friends and family. This was partially because I wanted the readership to grow organically, but more so, I was afraid of the silent judgment I'd feel from those close to me. Would they approve of what I was writing about? Was my writing even good enough to put out into the world? Are they going to judge me for using too many commas? I found myself stuck in the paralysis by analysis mode. I felt good about what I was doing, that is, unless I imagined someone close to me reading my creative outlet. 
It wasn't until I had a late meeting with a coworker and friend of mine where she told me, Will, I think this is really good. I think you could really take this somewhere. It was a heartfelt response that I needed in order to take the dive and actually feel comfortable with what I was doing. And as the blog began to pick up a little bit of steam, I found myself caring less and less about what outsiders thought. My thinking was that as long as I was creatively fulfilled, everything else could fall by the wayside. And when it comes to writing, drawing, painting, really anything creative, there's always a gray area when it comes to thinking that something's finished or perfect. When I was in seventh grade, I got a C plus on a drawing of a shoe I did in art class because I decided I wanted to keep it black and white rather than actually colored in with the pastels that were in front of us. It's not finished, which is why you got that grade, I remember my art teacher explaining to me. But as I looked at the black Puma soccer shoe that I drew, I couldn't help but think to myself, I mean, it looks pretty finished to me. In my eyes, it was pretty perfect. And this concept has always resonated with me since that day. On Sunday Scaries, it was the fear that people would judge me for the half-baked ideas I was writing about. When I worked for postgrad problems, it was the fear that I would have a glaring grammatical error in my or someone else's column that I edited. And with everything else in life, it was simply wondering if a job could ever be truly well done if it wasn't completely finished or perfect. Or in this case, it wasn't considered to be done perfectly, which I put in quotes because nothing can actually be perfect in most cases. Recently, someone asked me about how I'd go about writing on days when I simply didn't feel like writing. For a lot of writers, there shouldn't be a huge concern unless there's a deadline looming. For me, it was a concern of mine for nearly five years because I worked as a full-time writer and editor. The only advice that I can give to someone who's in that position, one of writer's block, is that sometimes you just have to sit down and see what comes out. You may not use it, you may read it and end up hating it, you may scrap 90% of it only be left with remnants of something that was never really all that great in the first place. But even if you're left with that 10%, you're still further along in the process than you would have been had you never tried in the first place. Despite what you learned in middle school, there are very few things in life that can be considered finished, especially with the expectation of perfect when it comes into the mix. Had I convinced myself that a blog about hangovers and hangover cures was going to be the next great American novel, I likely never would have kept going. Had I colored in that Puma soccer shoe and gotten another A on my art project, I probably never would remember drawing that shoe in the first place or never even thought about this concept. And had I abandoned every project I didn't knock out of the park, I likely wouldn't be as fulfilled as I am today. The tasks we do every day become personal to us. We do these tasks, most of them unsupervised, because we are the deciders of when they're done and when they're not. Sometimes it's as small as taking clothes out of the dryer that could use a few extra minutes to get the wrinkles out. Other times it's throwing caution to the wind and pressing submit on a paper that we're simply overwriting. But when you can put something behind you, whether it's perfect or not, that sense of accomplishment overrides any lingering what-ifs that you may have. We can always take more time to do things that mean something to us, but there's a fine line between being happy and being compulsive. And that day on the course that brought us into this existential stream of consciousness, well, it ended up with me writing a 91 on my scorecard, a stroke worse than what I had been hoping for. But as the old golf adage goes, that's what keeps you coming back. That and the fact that you'll never be perfect. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter at Sunday Scaries and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries, or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.